welcome to Promo Insiders, a new podcast from ASI's Counselor Magazine. In this weekly series, we tackle the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry, from hard-hitting news to fun trends. I'm Sarah Levandusky with ASI Canada and Counselor's Promogram Canada, and today I'm joined by accountant Fabio Campanella, a tax, investment, and personal finance expert with Campanella McDonald LLP in Toronto. He's here with us to discuss the COVID-19 Economic Response Plan and how Canadian companies and workers in the promo industry can take advantage of it. That's our topic. Hi, Fabio. I know it's been a busy few weeks for you with everything that's happening, so we do appreciate you making the time. I wanted to speak with you about the COVID-19 Economic Response Plan and how it stands right now after Parliament reconvened on a Saturday, on Easter Saturday, actually, to debate some changes. And um, it did receive royal assent, so things are moving forward. Um, We here in the U.S. have our own plans called the CARES Act, and there has been some wrangling over that. And I know there's also a lot in the Canadian plan, but there are a few areas I wanted to focus on today. One is the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, or CERB, for workers who are now unemployed due to the the virus. The second is for businesses, including the 75% wage subsidy for workers and the Canada Emergency Business Account through the credit, excuse me, through the Business Credit Availability Program that offers interest-free business loans. And also advice you may have for those with retirement accounts, especially those who are close to retirement, as well as some basic tax advice now that the filing deadline has been extended. Um, So let's start at the top with the CERB. This is a taxable benefit of $500 a week for 16 weeks for those who have lost their jobs due to the virus. And this application site opened on April 6th. So it has been very busy um, in those first few days and it's been open for a week now. So now there's the CERB and there's the EI, which is Employment Insurance in Canada that's ongoing. So can you tell us what the difference is between the two and who is eligible for what? Sure. Um, Well, first, thanks for having me. Uh, I just want to confirm that you can hear me okay? Yeah, perfect. Okay, great. So um, EI, as it's known in Canada, uh, it's basically the employment insurance or the unemployment insurance uh, that any major country has, okay? The benefit keeps going, and it's an ongoing federally funded uh, program, and it's funded by contributions that people make when they're employed, right? So nothing really changes, with yeah, it, it remains. And it's, uh, you know, as you know it, 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 it's going, okay? So if you've made an EI uh, application, then you wait and you get your EI, okay? If you're otherwise not eligible for EI, you're self-employed or, you know, you're working in, uh, uh, in a non-arms length situation perhaps, for whatever reason, if you're not eligible for EI and you meet the criteria for the new CERB program, then you should be making an application for the CERB program, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, so this is brand spanking new. The difference between EI and this program is that this is an emergency program. So it's uh, it could be temporary. Uh, it could last only a certain amount of time to take care of this COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be brought back at another time in a different form, but it's a it's it's a new program, and and EI is the regular ongoing program to cover people that are unemployed for whatever reason. Okay, perfect. So nothing really changes with EI. Right. EI is the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that the only thing that materially changes is the waiting period for your EI. I think they just mm-hmm. give you the money faster. Okay, mm-hmm. but the CERB is essentially a program 
to, you know, really put groceries on the table, mm-hmm. right? It, you know, because there's just a lot of people that for whatever reason, they can't work right now, right? And if you can't work because of COVID-19, in essence, you make an application to the CERB program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know there was a question of... Um... One of the things was now it seems like the CERB, I just want to confirm this with you. Um, you can't, so you have to be basically like you can't be bringing in anything, like you can't be working shift work, you can't be working odd jobs, and it has to be involuntarily because you can't, um, like you can't be have left your job and there's still a job, but you left it voluntarily. It has to be that, um, it has to be that you lost your job totally because of the virus. Right. And, and it's not just true. job. It's not just job. It's, it's, you cannot work. Okay. Okay. So for example, uh, uh, just a, in Canada, it's very common for, let's say it professionals to work contracts. They're technically not employed under employment law, mm-hmm. even under tax law. They're technically not employed. They're technically self-employed mm-hmm. and they may be operating out of a corporation um, which is very common in Canada, which is a little bit different than um, the situation in the States where LLCs are more common. Yeah. Um, but as I was speaking to you previously on the phone, this would be like a, a, a C-Corp, right? So these people may be getting uh, a payroll from their own corporation that they 100% own. They may only be getting a dividend from that corporation mm-hmm. because there's an integration principle in dividends in Canada that disallows double taxation for the most part those people would be eligible as well. So it's not that they've lost their job, it's that they simply can't work, right? Right. For whatever reason, if you can't work, then you can make an application to this program. Now it's unclear to me when I read through the guidance and it, once again, it's brand new, yeah. whether or not, you know, okay, I have a lot of clients that are like, okay, well, I have $80,000 in accounts receivable that's still coming in. Does that count as work? Well, in my opinion, no, that you're not working. Mm-hmm. You're just collecting mm-hmm. on old, old debts, right? right? Right. So, so my understanding is you can't work. So I'm not, it's not available to me. I'm still working. I'm still available to work. People right. are still sending me tax returns. I'm still managing people's money so I can work. So it's obviously not available to me. So I go to other programs, mm-hmm. but if you can't work for any reason and you've met all the guidelines, for example, you know, $5,000 of income last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. You you should make the application, right? Okay, perfect, um, awesome. Okay, so let's move on to the next section here, which is the emergency wage subsidy. Um, right. That is, the government will provide seventy five percent of pre virus wages on the first fifty eight thousand seven hundred dollars that an, a worker earned, up to eight hundred forty seven dollars per employee uh, a week, backdated to March fifteenth, and yep. that'll be in effect for the next three months. Now, I know there was some question about um, what kind of what kind of uh, revenue drop you need to have shown yeah. to qualify for that. And I know Correct. that that percentage has changed. And I know there were questions about how to even show that if you don't Correct. have that year over year comparison. Um, so what does that look like right now? What is the decrease you need to show and how can you show that? OK, so this is the this is the big issue. I'm going to speak in generalities because this. Sure just passed okay the legislation is actually quite complex there's a lot of definitions um in the legislation and uh it is confusing Mm -hmm. in essence what they're looking for is a 15 percent drop 
in revenues in March and then a 30% drop in revenues thereafter. Okay. okay? Um, they're using a very broad base to, to capture as many uh, individual companies as possible. Um, you know, a lot of companies are going to say this isn't fair because we're incurring addition. We may not have dropped mm. in, in revenues, but yeah. we're incurring a heck of a lot more expenses. So for example, yeah. my company, uh, we, I moved everybody home before it was mandatory yeah. and I incurred all kinds of it, um, all kinds of it, uh, related costs to get people at home and to secure, um, my clients information with people working at home. Right. That doesn't count. It's about the drop in your revenues. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the simplest thing that they're looking for is, you know, compare March 2020 to March 2019. Did you drop 15% in revenues? You're good. You can make the application for the first period. And now with clarification in the in the rules, you automatically get the second period as well if you qualify for the first period. Okay. Okay, but in order to get the third period, you must qualify for the third period or the second period. So you get a one a one period layover, let's call it. I see. Okay? Perfect. So they're saying, okay, well, March, whatever, let's count half a March. So they're going for 15% drop. After that, it's 30%. Drop. Mm -hmm. Now, what if you're in a situation where, you know, you're a new company or a company that's been growing rapidly? Okay. In that particular case, you have an alternative method to calculate this drop in revenue, all right? So if last year you didn't exist in March, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you yeah. started, they have a great example on the, on the website. You started in September of 2019, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Then what you would do is you would take the average of January and February's revenues and you would see if there's a 15% drop in March based on the average January and February. Okay. But whatever method you pick, you must continue to use that method. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. The other um, alternative that they allow is um, they're pretty loose in the way you're accounting for these revenues. It's just, it has to be consistent. It's mm -hmm. got to be consistent with your practices, mm -hmm. but they are allowing you to use either the, either the accrual basis or the cash basis. Okay. Right. So I don't want to get into like a huge, you know, sure. accounting lesson, but yeah. You know, if you pick one, you got to stay with, with it going sure. forward, right? Sure. What they're trying to do is they're trying to eliminate to the best of their ability, people that want to manipulate the numbers to mm -hmm. get, to mm -hmm. get this, this subsidy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I know there was a question for uh, Minister Morneau a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't a great answer that I heard from him, but one of the reporters asked him, will our employees expected to kind of, to, to, bring up the wages to hundred percent by paying that 25%. Are they on the hook for that? Um, and how do they show that they're at least putting in a good faith effort to, to do that? Like, what does that kind of look like? What you, what is the obligation on the part of the employer? If they're a part of this wage subsidy? Sure. So there's a couple things at play here. Um, a couple things that I'm qualified to speak about and a couple things I'm not qualified to speak about. So I'm an accountant and an investment advisor. So I, I know a thing or two about payroll and uh, the way that taxation applies to it, but I'm not an employment lawyer, okay? Sure. My understanding is this, you have two types of employees, really. You have arm's length employees and non-arm's length employees. So for example, I'm a non-arm's length employee to my own corporation. Mm -hmm. You know, your spouse would be a non-arm's length employee. Mm -hmm. you're, 
let's put those people aside because that's not really like what we're talking about. We're talking about arm's length true employees, sure. right? My understanding and reading through the guidance, it's pretty clear. You have to pay these people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right? So it, your your application for the wage subsidy is going to be based on the actual payments that you give them. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if you've dropped their wages for whatever reason, and, and you know, with the caveat that I don't know what that entails from an employment law perspective, if you're not paying people, you have other problems other than this wage subsidy. Because mm-hmm. if these people are paid or are, are, are on the payroll and you're yeah. issuing them paychecks, but not paying them, you have an yeah. employment law issue that you have to address. Okay. Most likely. Right. So my understanding is, yes, you are on the hook for the portion that is not subsidized Mm -hmm. as the employer. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea. If you can't afford anything, then you have to get tell people, hey, you're you're laid off and they go on the CERB. Oh, okay. 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 This is my understanding of the situation. Right. With the caveat that there are certain laws that I'm not 100 percent familiar with because I'm not a lawyer. Sure. Sure. Thank you for that. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um. Now, I know we talked a little bit about how Trudeau had a little bit of a, um, and a, you, you said it was an uncharacteristic kind of warning yep. in his voice about those companies that think they're going to game the system with yes. the wage subsidy. And now we had also talked about how gaming the system doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad actor. It can just yep. mean that, you know, in your, in your kind of desperation to shore things up, you can step kind of outside the bounds of this wage subsidy. So what would perhaps like gaming the system, quote unquote, kind of look like? And what are some perhaps consequences of that? I don't know if they've laid that out yet. It doesn't sound like they have. They've, okay. I, I noticed this in particular. I, I don't know how much the media noticed it, but um, when the, the very first uh, press conference that uh, Trudeau gave mm-hmm. on this matter Mm-hmm. He issued a, a very stern one yeah. at the end. Yeah. And that was something that, um, as I spoke to you before, it, it's uncharacteristic of, mm-hmm. of him. And mm-hmm. it's uncharacteristic of a liberal government in Canada to issue mm-hmm. such a stern warning, which mm-hmm. means to me that they're going to take this seriously. Yeah. Okay. Uh, gaming the system would be, um, you know, artificially manipulating your data to take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Um, there has been a long-standing uh, acceptance in Canada for, in the income tax world that, you know, arranging your business affairs to take advantage of legal tax benefits mm-hmm. and lowering your tax bill mm-hmm. is completely acceptable. Okay. However, what we do have is in the income tax leg- legislation is something called GAR or the General Anti-Avoidance Rule. And it's one of those rules that essentially says, okay, well, look, irrespective of any of the written legislation here, if you're gaming the system, we can come back and get you for this. Yeah. If you are entering into a transaction or a series of transactions solely for the purpose of circumventing tax laws, uh, we're going to get you. Okay. Right. And what it sounds like um, here is, you know, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're playing games, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, if you're artificially manipulating your revenues Mm -hmm. to fall into different categories or or whatnot, if you're calling up clients saying, hey, hold off on, I'm going to hold off on invoicing you until June because I want, you know, this is what they mean by gaming the system. 
Sure. Okay. If you're not paying people, mm-hmm. right. And you, you're, you know, or you're hiring your buddy who's not arm's length, who for whatever reason didn't qualify for the CERB, who has no other, uh, no other uh, income, simply to, you know, and you're splitting the difference. Right. That's what that's what they mean by gaming the system. So if you're if you're taking advantage of these rules, you know, and and to be honest with you, it's probably not a difficult audit okay. to figure it out. Okay. And they're going to be able to figure out um, who is gaming the system and who isn't. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's good to know because this is a it's a sensitive situation and people are right. desperate and they're going to be perhaps doing things they would normally do. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good warning. Um, and I know they also brought up the temporary wage subsidy, which is 10%. And I think they did say that you may be able to receive, um, these funds a little quicker than the 75%. Yeah. So the 10% subsidy, my understanding is it's still based on the remittances. So you just remit, you just take it off your, your payroll remittances, right? Okay. So when you look at all these things, uh, you know, I always tell my clients, I always tell people that I'm talking to, you want to look at what, what's the intent of parliament, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what is their intent? And the intent is to disrupt the economy in the minimal po- possible way, Yeah. right? So I tell my clients, some of whom are, you know, working at a very low capacity, like, hey, can you repurpose your employees, Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get up to 75%. So, you know, can they scrub the client list to see who's a profitable and not profitable client? Can they do, can they do something mm-hmm. that, that, that's, that's important to your business that maybe, you know, it's something that you put off uh, for a while, mm-hmm. but they have the skill set to do it. Keep them on because it's going to look good for you. And, you know, that's what the, that's what the, the purpose of this legislation is. Otherwise, they, it will be very simple. They say, okay, everybody stay home and we're just going to cut your checks. Right, 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 right. Freeze rent, yeah. freeze mortgages, cut your checks. Easy. They want they want us to be able to bounce back mm-hmm. after this is done. Right. Okay. Right. Excellent. Yes. And then the next section I wanted to talk with you about is the um, emergency business account. So yep. um, businesses can take advantage of a forty up to a forty thousand um, uh, dollar loan program. Yep. And um, I believe if um, if thirty thousand of that is repaid by December thirty first, twenty twenty two, then the remaining ten ten thousand dollars is uh, forgiven. Yes. Um, you do have to have had a twenty nineteen payroll of between fifty thousand and a million dollars. Um, so I know that is part of the qualification process. Yes. Um, but what is this looking like? When would that become available? Do you have any clues to how that's going? This is something that that is done through your financial institution, so through yeah. your bank. Okay. I believe you can start. Um, shortly, if not already. Uh, It's all available online, it -hmm. appears. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, It's a good program to get money directly in people's hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. In order, and and the the purpose of it is to pay unavoidable costs. All right. So you have some costs that are unavoidable. Yeah. This is the tricky one, um, in my opinion. Um, I don't, I don't really like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reason being is you're still on the hook for 30 grand. Mm-hmm. Right. So it gets 40 grand into your pocket, but are you going to be able to pay that 40 grand back by the end of the year? I don't think most people will. And then it, what happens is it converts into a three-year term loan. Now you've got to figure how does that fall, fall into my business's cash flow? Yeah. So from this particular perspective, I'm looking at it like, hey, look, if you can, if you got the money in the bank to pay it back already and you're good, take it, pay back the 30, you get free 10 grand. Right. 
Right. But if you're going to really stretch yourself here, you need to start looking at other things. Mm-hmm. You need to start looking at those operating expenses and putting a hold on them or yeah. eliminating operating expense, expenses you don't need, right? Yeah. This is a little bit of a dangerous one. It looks innocent, but it is a little bit dangerous. Okay. okay. And it says, you, you did mention that the, um, it's through, you have to apply online, but it sounds like it's through private lenders, also the Business Development Bank of Canada and Expert Development Canada? Right, right. So it, it's through your bank, this, okay. this specific one. Okay, so uh-huh. you through, through one of your, so in Canada, it's a little bit different in the States. Like you guys have banks all over the place, right? Um, in Canada, we basically have an oligopoly with banking. It's, mm. it's a couple of really big banks and everybody banks through, right? Oh, we okay. do have things called credit unions, which mm-hmm. are smaller, yes. but um, for the most part, most people, especially on the East side, on the East coast and whatnot in Ontario, we're going through the big banks. So it's administered through okay. your bank. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Excellent. And then um, now definitely more of uh, under your direct wheelhouse here for taxes. Um, I know the tax filing deadline has been extended to June 1st yep. Yep. Um, and income tax payments have been deferred till after August 31st. Yeah. So um, should people file now anyway to get their refunds, perhaps? Refund you want to file right away. Yep. Whether you have to pay, you want to file right away. Yep. I, I, you know, this really um, this was good. It was a good measure mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, like every accounting firm, we lost half of March. We weren't able to work because we were right. transitioning everyone to, to work from home. Right. So for us, we're not even, we're not even done a quarter wow. of our normal taxes. Wow. And we're not, we're not a big uh, personal income tax firm. Like we, mm-hmm. we concentrate on corporations more, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're halfway through the month. Like wow. we're not even done half of what we do U.S. taxes as well. We're not even done half our U.S. taxes, which would normally be due in two days. Right. 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 So we just lost the time, right? Um, But if you're ready to go, give give, give everything to your accountant now and get it done, right? Just get it done. Like, what's the point of procrastinating? Because then what's going to happen? Then, you know, April gets pushed into May and then it's a a crunch in May, right? So from that particular perspective, do it. Take advantage of the deferral of payment, Mm -hmm. right? But um, understand that, you know, have you, if you haven't made your uh, installments throughout the year, mm-hmm. I believe uh, I was reading through the, the guidance, but I, I believe your installments, if you haven't made them, you're still going to get hit with installment interest. I believe. Oh, okay. okay. But it's just pay- amounts that become due now. Sure. sure. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and also uh, in your wheelhouse too, um, you know, those are looking at their um, their investment portfolios, uh, especially those who are nearing retirement. We're planning on maybe the next yep. few years getting ready for that. Um, what advice are you giving them at this point? Right. So this this is something that I've been working the past since this started. I've been on the phone with with my investment clients day in, day out. OK. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a whole slew. I have, you know, people in their 20s all the way up to people approaching almost 80 years old. Wow. Okay. And uh, everybody's in a different situation. So I have all my super wealthy clients calling me saying on, on a dip saying, bye, bye, bye. And then I have all my, you know, average clients who are in retirement saying, should we sell everything? Okay. Let's take a step back. All right. And, And actually look at what's going on. Right. It, 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 this is very different from 2008, 2009. Very different. 2008, 2009, 
was um, blamed on the U.S. Uh, for the uh, the uh, securitized mortgage crisis. But can you really blame the U.S.? Everybody knew what they were getting themselves into and everybody bought the stuff, right? So it was a human-made financial disaster. It was a a debt crunch, right? Mm -hmm. Since then, what have we been doing? Everybody's been printing money, buying bonds, but, you know, stock buy-by. They're just producing liquidity into the market because we had no liquidity. And it's, in my opinion, I'm not an economist, but, you know, I know a thing or two about investments and, and the economy it's really caused a cascade, uh, not a cascade, excuse me, um, an increase in Mm -hmm. asset values across the board, Mm -hmm. real estate, stocks, everything, right? Mm -hmm. So everything, you know, right now we're in this sort of perfect storm where, you know, assets were pretty expensive, all assets, stocks, bonds, everything was expensive, all right? Uh, We're using a lot of leverage, And then what happens? There's this huge natural disaster. Okay, so when you see a natural disaster, earthquake or something like that, what what does it do? It affects a specific area of the earth. And you you look to those areas that have been affected by that. And what it does is it completely halts economic activity. Then there's a rebuild, right? Federal governments will come in, uh, municipal governments will come in, everybody will come in and help that area out. And then they start rebuilding. Essentially, what we have here is a massive natural disaster mm-hmm. that has hit every corner of the globe. Mm-hmm. And you're getting the effect of an unprecedented halt in economic activity, mm-hmm. right? So I believe w- what's the unemployment now? Uh, unemployment claims in the U.S. is at six, oh. seven million. It's something yep. ridiculous, similar. And, and it's, it's basically the same proportion. Take anything in the U.S., and, and divided by 10, and that's what happens in Canada, right. right? So you're getting this everywhere, everywhere. So we have unemployment levels that are, you know, unprecedented in history, okay? Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen? There's going to be a huge slowdown in the economy, mm-hmm. right? The economy doesn't react right away. The stock market does. So what you have is these retirees who are already, you know, it's fresh in their mind the last time the stock market dropped like that, Okay. And now it's happening all over again. Mm-hmm. But you're getting crazy volatility in the markets, right? You're getting negative 10 day, 10% days and plus 10%. It's crazy, right? So now we're in a distress mode. So what is very important in a distress mode, in my opinion? All right. Let's not let's put aside very wealthy individuals and people that are, you know, impoverished. Okay. And let's look at the average, average Jane and Joe right? If you're in your 50s and 60s, close to retirement or at retirement, you need to take a very hard look at your finances, right? Your portfolio is down. I don't care what you were in. It's down, right? There's nothing you can do about it. If you sell everything now, which some people did, and you know, they sold uh, at the dip, they lost out on the rally. There's no way to predict that rally. Mm -hmm. The market just does what it does, okay? So from that particular perspective, what I like to see is, hey, if you're close to retirement or in retirement, I want to see a portion of your your, uh, portfolio in cash anyways, right? One to two years in cash of living expenses, right? So if you have a government pension um, that covers 50% of your uh, living expenses, projected living expenses in retirement, okay, well, you need to supplement that with 
some cash from your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Have a year or two of that in you know term deposits or you know GICs we call them here um, in, in something that that will not fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Let the remainder of your portfolio fluctuate and rebalance to your long term allocation, whatever it is, forty percent uh, bonds, sixty percent stocks, and keep rebalancing it. Rebalance it. Stocks drop like crazy. That's fine. Take a little bit from bonds, put them into stocks. Rebalance, 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 mm-hmm. right? Reinvest the dividends or keep them in cash so that you have a year and a half to two years of cash available. Your stocks, your portfolio, they're going to rebound. Mm-hmm. It might take a while right now for them to rebound, but they will rebound. Okay. Good quality companies are going to continue to pay dividends likely. They're going to drop their dividend, of course, but they're going to continue to pay dividends, right? Mm-hmm. Stay the course. If you just liquidate and try to time, you're probably going to end up wrong. You may end up getting it right, but it's going to be a fluke. So don't think you're smart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's really stay the course. um, Make sure that you do have cash available that isn't going to fluctuate. And then take a very hard look at your finances, right? Do you have an Amazon and a Netflix uh, account? Like get rid of one. Get rid of the one you're not using, Right. right? Do you have, you know, are you paying a cleaning person to come into your house on a weekly basis, can they do it on, on a bi-weekly basis, mm-hmm. right? Start being smarter with your money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can't always assume the markets are going to rally, 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 and that your house is going to keep going up in value. And then, yeah, yeah, down the road, I'm going to downsize, right? Because right. you're going to get stuck with your, you know, for the lack of the term, like you're going to get stuck with your pants down. Right. And then what? Right. Right. So it's just smart financial planning. Uh, mm-hmm. The same principles that hold true in any economy, just make sure when you hit a, a bad economy like this, which is probably going to be prolonged because it's going to take us a while to get back because we're not just going to go back to work like normal. Right. It's going right. to be maybe, okay, this industry goes back, then that industry goes back, but things might be slower. You got to take a look at your spending and you got to take a look at your revenues and you got to take a look at your reserves. Right. That's what I've been doing with my clients. I've been, you know, for the, for the most part, my clients aren't dumping their their portfolios because they've been trained and consulted to ensure that hey like this kind of stuff can happen now i never knew something this crazy was going to happen yeah <laughs> but i thought you know for sure there's going to be a 20 percent drop in the market you know at some point because right. that's the way the markets work mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time today, Fabio. Thank you. Um, And if anyone listening has any additional questions, um, you know, about what we talked about or anything additional, um, they can email me or you can also tweet me. It's at Sarah Lab underscore ASI. And we'll try to get an answer for um, our listeners. But um, we do recommend, though, and I I would think that Fabio would agree that if you have very specific questions about your company, your workers, you as an employee, it's, it's best to talk to your trusted accountant or financial advisor or bank about options because right. they will give you a much better answer that's more tailored to your specific situation. 100%. So this was very general. This was a lot of good information and it's all worthwhile. But definitely if you have specific questions on your situation, it's, it's best to talk with those people who know you best. Um, but thanks for listening. And Fabio, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you.